Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, uh, if you've been here a couple weeks, we've been in a series looking at the book of Jonah. It's just a short book, only four chapters. I would recommend just, you can do it in one sitting, just dive into those four chapters, and we'll be in it one more week. And then the following week, we're going to start a whole series on the 23rd Psalm. We're going to go line by line. So if you're looking for encouragement and strength from the Lord, how many, we... Do we all know the 23rd Psalm? We, we, we know it, but we're going to really dig into it. And I'm, my prayer for you is that it will really help you and encourage you. And, you know, when we think about the book of Jonah, we, we normally first go, whether you've a church attender, haven't been to church for a long time, or you've been to church a long time and you were a Sunday schooler, you remember Jonah and the big, okay, whale, fish, whatever it was, we don't know. The Bible says fish, a big fish. Um, we know that story, and there's a whole lot going on here. And it reminds me of a story uh, that I read about a little girl who was talking to an adult about the story of Jonah. And this very, very critical adult said, it's impossible for this to happen. There's no way this can happen. And this little girl said, well, you know, it's in the Bible, and that it says that Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. Now, this irritated adult reiterated his point and said, it's just a fable and it's not true. So the little girl just said, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm just going to ask Jonah. And then the adult responded, well, what if Jonah went to hell? And then the little girl said, well, then you can ask him. (laughs) Okay, that was bad. Okay. All right, bad pastor, okay. We say bad pastor, okay, bad pastor. All right, just it was too good to resist. Um, <laughs> listen, when we think of Jonah, we, we do. We go right to the, the big fish. and But I want you to know the story is so much more that we've discovered the last couple of weeks. It's so much more than just a story about a fish. Now, I, I love I love fish stories. I, I love to fish myself. So I have quite a few fish stories. The one that got away. Uh, my wife Kathleen's heard them all and she just doesn't believe me anymore, right? So, you know, it's nice we can take pictures now of your fish. And my brother-in-law always tells me, he goes, that's the same fish you caught five years ago. I think you just keep, keep putting that back online saying you caught it over and over again. But this is so much more than just a story about a, about a fish. And what we're looking at is really it's a story about God's justice and mercy. How do we find the balance of God's justice getting what we deserve, judging the world for how they act, and then mercy, like looking at God like, God, your grace is there, and you want to show grace to our world that they can find forgiveness in you. And what's hard for us, I think, as the church is to try to find that delicate balance between that justice and that grace. Because we can do one of two things. We can fall into this trap of just justice, justice, justice. God, you know, you, you have to give the world what's coming to it. And if we look into our world today, it is frustrating. And if we're honest with ourselves, our world is a mess. And our world needs a savior. And we see this. And God looked at this world during the time of Jonah. And he looked at the city of Nineveh, these people that he said is wicked. And when God says something is wicked, it's, it's pretty bad. And so he raises up Jonah, this prophet, that says, listen, I, this wickedness has come before me. And I want you to go. And I want you to tell them my grace and mercy that if they, are, if they will repent, my judgment will cease. And I will not judge them. And so what we see in our world today is we can fall into one of these two traps that we just want God's justice. And that was Jonah. Jonah just wanted God to give it to him. He didn't want to go. He, he just felt like they deserve what's coming to them. And he just wanted to see God's justice. But God's heart is mercy. 
Aren't you thankful for that? That God's heart is mercy and grace. For God so loved the world that he gave us his one and, one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. John three sixteen. We we know that first. We know that God loves the world. But, but God is a just God. God will judge the world for its sin. And so how do we find the balance between God's justice and then not falling in the trap of grace where, where we just overlook the sins of the world or, or we compromise? And, and the way the church is going today many times is that, is that we just compromise with the culture and just say this is okay and we, we, we bat an eye to it or we turn our head to it when God's word is very specific about how we are to live and what God sees as sin and, and how God deals with that, the only way that we can really understand this and not fall into one or two traps or just turning our eye and just giving everyone grace and then going just to the justice side where God just give it to everybody, right? Give what's, what they deserve because that can be very frustrating as you look at our world today. There's no way that we can find that balance unless we go through the cross of Jesus Christ. Because on the cross of Jesus Christ, we see God's justice and mercy on full display. We see a Savior who was innocent, who was God, taking on our sin and allowing the wrath of God to be poured out on him for you and I. And you and I deserve the wrath of God. You and I deserve that punishment because of our sin. Jesus, who is innocent and perfect, became our substitute. And by us putting our faith in Christ Jesus, no longer is God's justice or wrath towards us any longer. It's been absorbed through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And now we find forgiveness. Everybody say amen. We find forgiveness through Christ, not by our works or anything that we've done, but through our faith, through God's grace. So unless we're walking and looking at the cross, we're going to judge this world on one of two camps, either totally justice or, or just on the grace side, batting our eyes to, to what's going on in our world today. We have to see the world through the cross of Christ, because on display for us was God's perfect mercy and justice. And so the book of Jonah is all about God's mercy and justice. And what we're going to look at today is how God deals with our hearts. How did God deal with rebellious Jonah, who ran the complete opposite way from God. And so I want to look at Jonah. We're going to look right off at Jonah chapter 1 this morning. And I want to look at verses 1 through uh, 3. And let's, let's see what it says here. It says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship, bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, what do we know about Jonah? What we know about Jonah is that he was a prophet of God that lived some 700 years before Christ. At this time, the Assyrians were the dominant empire in the area, and God calls Jonah, the prophet, to go to the city of Nineveh to speak to their wickedness. That God says, if you repent, I will show mercy on you. And if they repented, God would spare them and God would pour out his grace and mercy upon them. And so what does Jonah do? Well, he runs away from God as far as possible. As far as possible. 
He runs from God's calling. He, in fact, he, went, he goes in the complete opposite direction to sail to Tarshish, which is the exact opposite way. Now, what's the problem here? The problem is Jonah doesn't understand the heart of God. What Jonah does understand is there needs to be judgment, and he feels like this particular group of people did not deserve the mercy of God. They needed to be judged. And so Jonah doesn't like the decision of God. Jonah doesn't like the calling of God. Jonah doesn't want to go there to preach uh, repentance to them because he knows that they're going to probably turn away from it and turn towards God, but he wants the justice of God. See, what happens here is this. God doesn't give up on Jonah, but God's grace chases after him. I want to deal with Jonah's heart here because really, Jonah doesn't, as much as the people of Nineveh didn't deserve it, Jonah doesn't deserve it either. I mean, Jonah is running from God. He knows better. He's a prophet of God, but he's disobeying the call of God to go to these people and preach mercy and grace and repentance. And so what does God do? God in his grace and his mercy is going to grab the heart of Jonah. He's going to grab the heart of Jonah. Now, I want to, let me just say this. For those of you that are praying for someone, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a friend, and you've been praying for them, and, and then maybe their hearts have been hardened towards God. Maybe it's been months or even years that you've been praying for them. Parents, maybe you've been praying for a child that God would just grab their heart. Can I just tell you this? Don't give up. God did not give up on Jonah. Even though Jonah was stubborn, God did not give up on him. And what we're going to see is God sends little little things. It's going to be a big thing because he's going to send a big storm in his life to grab his attention. But God will always chase after us. And his grace will chase after us. His love is always there and it will chase after, the, after us. I was... I'm talking to my um, sister and my brother-in-law and this other day we had, had dinner and I was reminded of my brother-in-law's testimony of how he came to Christ. And it's amazing how God can reach us in the craziest places. Don't think that you have to come to church to find God. This is okay. You can find God here. But you know what? He's out there too. And he works through other people and he can work through crazy circumstances to reach your heart. My, my older sister and brother-in-law, they kind of uh, ran away to the Marines together in Jacksonville, North Carolina when they were 18 or 19, which my parents were really happy about that. They were ecstatic. And uh, they said, do you love each other? And they're like, yeah. And they go, why don't you get married? And we went down there and they got married, a young, young couple, and they got married. And they were just praying for them, praying that God would grab their hearts. So my brother-in-law, he's on, he's on mess duty, this 12, 14-hour mess duty, and he had the worst job in the mess hall, and that was washing the dishes in the steam room. And it was like 100 billion degrees in there. Nobody wanted that job, and it was just, he remember telling me, he goes, it was just miserable. You were just dripping, soaking, wet, hot. It was just, no one wanted that job. And so he goes, and he's working along someone else. Guess who that person was? It was a Christian. And he noticed the attitude of this person. As they're working, everybody else is complaining. Oh, this is the worst. And blah. He wasn't, though. He never complained. He had a good attitude. Finally, my brother-in-law looks at him and goes, bro, what's your deal? Like, what's up with you? Why, why aren't you complaining like everybody else? And he goes, you know what? 
I have the Lord. I don't let this stuff bother me. Well, this just gripped my brother-in-law's heart. He began to ask him more about his life and who he was. And this person says, I'm a follower of Jesus. And right there, Jacksonville, North Carolina, on mess duty, God sent another believer alongside of my brother-in-law to share Jesus with him. God never gives up on us. Parent, don't stop praying. Amen. Don't stop praying for your neighbor, friend, that irritating coworker. Don't don't stop praying for him. God's grace is always there. And what we're going to see in this storm is how God's grace speaks to Jonah through something that you wouldn't think he would do. And he speaks to him through a storm. God, couldn't you have been nicer? Couldn't you have done something easier? Let's see what happens here. And I want you to see that God doesn't give up on Jonah. God's grace chases after him. So what does God do? He sends a storm. So let's look at Jonah 4 and 6 in chapter 1, verses 4 and 6. And then it says, The Lord sent a great wind on the sea, such a violent storm that arose that the ship threatened to break up. So there, this is do or die. I mean, they're going to die because of the storm. And all the sailors were afraid, and each one cried out to his own God, and then they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten up the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. What? He's sleeping below the deck, not bothering him. The captain went to get him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us that we will not perish. What is Jonah doing here? Jonah's sleeping, which shows how apathetic his heart is at this moment. He just, he doesn't care. He just doesn't care. And it's interesting in these verses that as Jonah moves away from the Lord, it says he went down. This is really interesting. He went down to Joppa to run away from the Lord. He goes down to the belly, the lower parts of the ship, to get away from the Lord. It's funny that the ESV study notes propose that this is a euphemism for death, that running away from the Lord It's speaking about death. The suggestion is that each step away from the presence of the Lord is one step closer to going down to death. Jonah's heart has become so hardened that he's just running away from the Lord. But the Lord in his grace and his mercy has not given up on him. And what God does is sends this horrible storm to wake him up. And I want you to see that God sends the storm to show Jonah actually his grace. God sends the storm. You think, how can God be gracious in the midst of a storm? He is, and I'll show you why. See, God uses storms sometimes to get our attention. Let me see if this, let me throw the pasta against the wall and see if it sticks here, okay? Let me, let me see if this, if this relates to some of you. When do you sense God the most? Do you sense God the most when everything is perfect and everything is going well in your life? Is that when you sense God the most? No. The time we sense God the most is during the storms. It's the thing that draws us because we feel helpless. It's at those times that we actually grow the most. And God knows that. And so God puts this storm 
God allows this storm to, him to get the attention of Jonah that he hasn't given up on him. And it's easy for us to think that God is against us when we're going through a storm. But God allows the storm to wake Jonah up to his grace that he didn't give up on Jonah. And there's some of you here today, maybe somebody you know, that they called out to God at their wit's end. You know what? That's okay. Because you will truly sense and know God's grace when you get to the end of all your runnings. When you get to that end and something happens in your life where you can't explain it, and you see how feeble we truly are and how weak we truly are, then you will understand and sense the power of God's grace and his help in your life, that we don't have all the answers. And and, and my prayer for you is that you would never rely on yourself or all your answers. Listen, God shouts to us. If you want to hear God speaking to you, just look up at the stars. Not today because it's cloudy, but look up at the stars. God screams to us about his creation, that he's creator. And it makes us feel so insignificant when we look at the universe, doesn't it? It makes you feel small. And there's a reason for that. It's because we are. And God doesn't want us to lose focus on just ourselves. This world is fleeting it's passing away in a blink of an eye. And as a pastor, I do many, many funerals, a lot of funerals. And the one thing I notice about the death of someone, it does make you feel like I am not ultimately in control, but that's okay. God says, I am. Turn to me, turn to my grace. Don't trust in yourself. I mean, the, the visual thing of, uh, of us not being able to trust ourselves is we're just getting older, aren't we? We're not getting any younger. It's a visible sign that we're going to all die one day. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> Making you feel all warm and fuzzy. Listen, I just Googled it this morning. The mortality rate in the United States is 100%. It is. I just Googled it. That's the truth, right? It's 100%. We are not in control. We're not in control tomorrow or next week as much as we think we are. But I want you to know that there is a God who is, and he is sovereign. And through his son, Jesus, he shows us the way to know him personally. So God uses the storm not to hurt Jonah, but to speak to Jonah. Not to hurt him, but to speak to him. Now, this is hard for us because it's easy for us to look at a storm and then wonder why. And we all have done that, right? It, it, this is hard for us because it's easier for us to look at it and just ask questions. Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? I just want to get through this, Right? It's much harder to ask God, what are you teaching me through this? Now listen, I don't know why things happen the way they do at times. I have no idea. But I do know this one thing, that we can trust the character of God over our circumstances. That God is still good and he's still sovereign and I can trust him. And we can actually say to God, God, what are you trying to teach me through this? See, what happens is if I look at the storm and I wonder why, 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 why all the time, I kind of mute God's voice in my life of trying to speak to me. And what begins to happen if I'm not careful, bitterness can settle into my heart and I can just get angry. And God says, Barden, I'm, I'm actually trying to use this not to hurt you, but to get your attention because I love you. And my grace is there for you. That's what he's doing for Jonah. He's not trying to hurt Jonah. He's trying to get Jonah's attention. So our response to the storm is what's key. Our response 
to when we go through something that we don't understand that's very difficult, our response is key for this reason. Your response to a storm in your life will show you what you're truly standing on. It will reveal the foundation that's in your heart and in your life. And God wanted to show Jonah, I am in control. I'm taking care of you, but I'm using this to wake you up because I love you. You see, let me just, let me just allow you to understand this. One point. Difficulties in our lives do not necessarily make us stronger. We tend to think that, oh, I'm going through all these things. Actually, sometimes we just go through things and we can't handle it. It's just too much. But I do want you to understand that what makes you stronger is how you respond to the storm in your life. The way you respond, if you, were, if you turn to the Lord and ask him for his strength and his grace, it's there. He will show you his power. You see, what happens when we go through a storm or a difficulty in our life or a difficult uh, relationship issue in our life? How we respond is pivotal. See, what I'm inclined to do is to blame others. You're the problem. You're the source of everything, right? And we can do that. We can blame God. We can blame other people. And yes, they may be the cause and somebody else may be the cause of your problem. However, your bitterness comes not from the other person, but from your unwillingness to forgive. Anybody out there? Okay, just checking to see if you guys are still out there. Yeah, doesn't it? See, I can control how I react to that storm by depending on the Lord. But what happens is, if I go to the blame game and point the finger at everybody else, even though they may be the sorts, and I'm not trying to whitewash anything that's happened to you, or what someone has done, because they're going to have to stand before God. But the way you respond is pivotal. Am I going to allow bitterness to creep into my heart, to allow me to become angry, and then mute the voice of God in my heart and in my life? Where we have the power in Jesus' name being able to forgive, because Jesus forgave me, I'm willing to forgive others. See, if I'm not living my life through the cross then I'm going to be very stingy on how I give forgiveness or who deserves it or who doesn't. If we don't understand the cross of Jesus Christ, that he hung on that cross for sinners, which every single one of us are, that none of us deserve it or earned it or merited it, you'll never understand the depth and the love of God's grace for you. And when that flows into your heart and you understand that you don't deserve to be forgiven, but yet through God's love and grace and mercy forgives you, if, if, if you understand that, you've got to allow that to flow out of your life in the way you treat other people. And what God is trying to do, he's trying to grab Jonah's heart by saying, Jonah, I love you. I'm going to take care of you. But there's a thousand other people who don't know me in this city that need to hear of my mercy and my grace too. Let your bitterness and your hatred let that melt away in the love that I have for you. And we're going to see what God ends up doing for Jonah. Jonah knew that the storm was for him and it was endangering everyone else. Jonah knew this and God was trying to get his attention. And so what Jonah says to these men on what they're doing, Jonah says, hey, listen, just throw me overboard. They're like, huh? You know, why, why couldn't Jonah just stay in the ship and just say, God, I'm sorry, just stop the storm. Jonah knows it's him. And he says, just throw me overboard. So let's see what it says here going on further in chapter 1. 
It says the sea was getting rougher and rougher. And so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? He says, pick me up and just throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault, and this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for this sea grew even wilder than before. And then they cried out to the Lord. They said, well, we're going to cry out to any God we can to stop the storm. Right? So they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die before taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing this innocent man as they got his legs and his arms and they're getting ready to toss him into the sea. Don't let us be accountable for this man's life. And so, and so the Lord, what, what the Lord has done is you please. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard and the raging sea grew calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now, this is really interesting to me. Why didn't Jonah just jump in? Why didn't he jump in? Why, why, why did he ask to be thrown overboard? Jonah asked, throw me overboard, he tells them. Just pick me up and throw me overboard and the storm will stop. Here's the reason why. Jonah knew it was his fault. He knew it was his fault. Jonah isn't thinking about himself, but he's also thinking about the other sailors. You see, the sailors only wanted to get out of the mess. That's pretty much all they, they cared about. Right? They just want, they, they'll call out to any God, get out of this mess because we're going to die. In a way, Jonah's repenting here. Jonah knows it's his fault. Jonah takes on the responsibility and knows that the only way is by throwing him into the midst of the storm to calm the seas. Now, for the sailors, I don't know where their heart is, but let's be careful here about repentance because repentance is a repentance if it's only to avoid circumstances, right? Remember, remember as a kid, if you had a family and a brother and sister and you smacked them on the head, you knew you were getting in trouble from your parents, and the only thing you wanted to avoid was what? You, just, you wanted to avoid the repercussions of what was about to happen to you for, for being a knucklehead, right? So that, that's not repentance. See, repentance is a change of mind. It's a change of mind. It's a 180 direction from the way I used to think to now trusting God. See, for Jonah, he didn't jump in. He was thrown over. This was an act of repentance, I believe. And then notice what happens next. So Jonah basically gets thrown in the sea. He knows the sea is going to stop. He gets thrown in the sea. The sea calms down. The sailors are saved. And then God sends this big fish. And I want you to notice the wording here in Jonah 1.17. It says, Then the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now, Jesus alludes to this uh, after his death and before his resurrection. It's another sermon for another time, but it's kind of cool that Jesus looks at this story and uses this story to talk about how he was in the belly of the earth. But God appointed a great fish, and God was coming for and saving Jonah. The fish was symbolic of God's salvation. Out of the sea, God takes this large fish, lets him swallow Jonah, and allows him not to die in the waters. 
In the belly of the fish, in the darkness, Jonah calls out to God. Jonah prays to God. He calls out in his distress. Jonah's, Jonah's at the bottom. You couldn't get any lower than the belly of a stinky belly of a fish, right? You're not, you're not getting any lower than that. And at his bottom, God saves him. God saves him. Listen, until we reach the point to we have nothing but God, we will never understand what Christ did for us. We will never understand his grace. And maybe it's at this point that Jonah's like, wow, God is really for me. And it's in the belly of this big fish, God saves Jonah. And what I want you to see here, let me tie this into the gospel message. Let me tie this in to our relationship with Christ. Jesus does the exact thing for you and I. The very same thing for you and I. Jonah was thrown into the wrath of the storm to save the sailors. He allowed himself, catch the picture here, he allowed the men to pick him up and throw him into the storm. Jesus allowed men to hang him on the cross, to go in the midst of the storm for you and I. Tim Keller brings this out in such a beautiful way. Jesus jumps right into the storm of our sin, of our depravity, of our waywardness. He allows men fully under his own control and by the will of God to be handed over to men to die on a cross for you and I, to face God's wrath and our sin. Jesus does that for you and I so that you and I can be saved. So that you and I can know God and have a right relationship with him. Listen, the wrath of God is no longer directed towards those who put their faith in Christ Jesus because Jesus absorbed the wrath of God on the cross. The wrath of God was spared on those sailors because Jonah was thrown into the midst of that storm. Jesus does the same for you and I. My question to you this this morning is, is God trying to get your attention? Is Is he trying to get your attention? Because he will, and he won't give up on you. Sometimes, let me say most of the times, all the time, it's our hardened hearts, right? We don't want to hear it. Maybe we have our own agenda. Maybe we're bitter at God for something that happened in our lives or whatever. But God is not going to give up on you. His love keeps reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. And if you can learn anything about the story in Jonah, is that God wanted Jonah to see, I care just as much about you as I do about all those people in, all those people in Nineveh who are wicked. My mercy and my grace need to be displayed to them as much as it's displayed to you. Church, church, listen to me. Let's not allow our hearts to become hardened and cold to the world around us. Even though we do see where it's going and that our world is in a mess, a mess, let's live our lives through the cross of Jesus Christ, through the balance of God's justice and his mercy. This world needs to see mercy lived through our lives as we speak the truth of God. That yes, God is a justice God and he's going to judge our sin, but he's also a merciful God 
that you can find forgiveness if you come to him and repent. That has to be the balance. But if love is not driving us to that, we're going to miss it. So whether or not it's that irritating neighbor, a coworker, that family member that you dread to see on Thanksgiving and Christmas, listen, you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to be angry with them and just pray against them for the wrath of God to come upon them, right? No. God wants you to pray for them that they would discover his mercy and his grace by the way you live your life, by the way you live by the spirit of Christ. So what we're going to do as we we close the service, I want to pray for you. But what I want you to do is to pray for that person that you just don't want to pray for and ask God to soften your heart. Maybe a neighbor, maybe a coworker, maybe a relative in your family. God wants you to grab his heart for that person that you can see through his eyes. And even though they might not be living the way they should be living or whatever whatever they're doing, God wants to reach them with his love, grace, and mercy that they would know him, that they would come to him and know what he did for them. And the way we change that is through our relationship with Christ and the love that we show by the way we live it in this world. Once again, that doesn't whitewash what we see or the things that are going on or we we just bat our eyes to, to what we see. No, that's where we speak the truth, but we speak the truth in love. Let our love for Christ and his grace that he has shown us be the driving force for how we look at our world today. So what I, I just want to make it personal for you today that you would lay that person before the Lord. So as we sing this song, I'm just going to encourage you today maybe to take a step, to take that step of obedience And come forward today and just say, God, I'm going to lay this person at your feet. I don't feel like doing it. I don't like this person. I'm not happy about doing this. No, I'm just teasing. But Lord, you love this person and they need to know you. Parent, maybe you're praying for your child. And you've been praying for years for them to know the Lord. Maybe it's laying them at the feet of Christ once again and saying, God, I know you haven't given up on them. Encourage me not to give up. Encourage me not to give up on my neighbor. Encourage me not to give up on my relative. I know it gets discouraging, it gets hard, but God doesn't want you to give up. Keep praying. God hasn't given up on them. His grace, his grace, his grace is still extended unto them. So as an act of obedience, if you just want to come as we sing this song in closing and just stand before the Lord and just pray, maybe it's for that son or daughter, relative or coworker, and you just ask God, just by whatever means, grab their heart and then pray this too. God, soften my heart and let me see through your eyes what you see and how you see this world and how you love this world. Amen? Amen? Father God, we, we come before you today and we, we are frail, we are weak. It, God, I realize it's so easy for us to allow bitterness and even hatred to enter our heart, even with the knowledge of the grace that you poured out on us. So God, first change us. 
Lord, allow the things, the storms in life to help not to ask why, but to say, God, what are you doing? Why have you allowed this difficult person in my life? And maybe it's just to grab our hearts again, to pray, to pray, to love those who persecute us, to pray for our enemies. God, help us to allow your spirit to fill us in the way we live our lives. And Lord, we pray for that person that we're thinking about right now, that you would grab their heart. Maybe it's that son or daughter, that coworker, that family member, that neighbor. God, we lay them at your heart. We, we, we give their heart to you. We lay them at your feet, wanting you to grab their heart, Lord. So do that. But first grab our heart as we pray for them. So thank you, Lord, for never giving up on us, for saving us. Thank you for your grace that none of us deserve in this place. We are grateful for it today. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said, amen. Listen, if you feel so inclined, just come forward today. I'm going to be up here with you just praying. I've got somebody that's God laid on my heart today. Don't give up. Church, I don't want our hearts to become hardened to what we see in our world today. I've just seen the church go in such a bad direction in so many ways, and I don't want that to happen to living word. Amen. So God, grab our hearts today. Amen. Would you stand? Let's sing this under the Lord. God bless you.